Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Put me on the spot. I'm so used to you doing it. You got this. I do have this. Well, welcome everyone to the Centre Dural Podcast. My name is Mitch. I'm Murray. <laughs> That was my best TV presenter voice. That was great, mate. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I reckon sunrise, here we come. (laughs) Ready to go. Well, Mitch, here we are once again. We got a little little mic set up. We're doing banter. We've got a um, yeah, bit of a crazy day. It's uh, a pumping pumping week for the centre. Yeah, last night we had. um, So this is a Tuesday morning. Yeah, those who listening. So last night, Monday night, was the second international game between the. Futsal Ruse and the Solomon Islands. Mm. And it was a great game, but Solomons did lose 3 2. So yeah. it's a bit sad. But <laughs> they played excellently. They, yeah. yeah. So it's actually, it's fantastic seeing the centre just. So we're standing in the auditorium just seeing the whole grandstand just full. It was really exciting. So, so tomorrow good. night, looking forward to it. Yeah, so. come on. And I mm-hmm. believe if you want to go back and watch the game, you can watch it on a, on a live stream you or a, a post-live stream. It's yeah, not live stream uh, there's anymore. no audio though. But yeah, who, who, who needs audio? Really? <laughs> audio is overrated, <laughs> he, he says on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Mitch, before we get into it, you uh, started uh, your sermon on Sunday by asking if you can across a magic lamp mm. what would you wish for mm. and i'm going to throw the question back at you if you stumbled just you know you're clearing out one mm. of the closets in the center and you stumble across an ancient <laughs> magic lamp and a genie pops out mm. what would you wish yeah for? There's first wish of, i want unlimited wishes yeah you know. cool yeah great there you go that's set for life next two, <laughs> next two wishes <laughs> um yeah that's a brilliant question. I think the the pious answer would be, you know, world peace mm-hmm. or Jesus to return. But yeah, I suppose let's 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 be selfish because yeah, you'd probably I'd ask for like some sort of health or mm. wealth mm. or prosperity. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. It'd be probably something along those lines. Mm. Which I think too, that's the point of a genie mm. is that the genie's meant to grant you like your heart's desires and mm. yeah, at the core of it. Often our heart's desires are quite selfish. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we can say that. Oh, we pray for world peace. Mm. But yeah, that's sort of like, yeah. Deep down, I think all of us want like some sort of health protection for our families, mm. and yeah. that's what we would kind yeah. of maybe like, not world want. peace, just domestic yeah, peace. domestic peace <laughs> in so, our own household, yeah, and in our um, own lives. Yeah. So that's yeah. And um, it's interesting too because Solomon was essentially given sort of God not being a genie, but he was granted like whatever he wanted. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating he asked for wisdom, not mm. for riches and wealth. And yeah, he's it's way off topic, but it's interesting. Solomon's granted essentially the wisdom from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. He asked to know the difference between you know, good and evil, right mm. and wrong. And so, mm. yeah, I think that's why God blessed him so much. Mm. We all know how Solomon failed, but mm. it's an amazing response of righteousness to ask for wisdom to lead the people yeah right and yeah our view of god is shaped by many things mm. you know if we have an abusive father or distant father we can think of god the father in the same way or you know maybe a, a principal type figure or 
someone who's a bit of a taskmaster or hang on your yeah background that genie mentality mm. uh, i've seen that quite a lot around prosperity theology is god's mm. kind of there just to give you yeah health wealth blessings and we spoke about this a few weeks back kind of it's kind of right but also if that's all you're using god for mm. um yeah it's not a relationship it's a slave master mentality because that's mm. the thing with yeah all genies in fiction they're slaves to the whim of the one who controls mm. the, the magic lamp mm. and so yeah it's actually it's quite interesting sort of the folklore around genies there's some good little like tidbits of wisdom we can glean from that how mm. yeah people or how some genies trick people into mm. <laughs> setting them free mm. but yeah anyway so that that's that's and uh, really wanted to get it across home as like do we view god as a bit of a magic genie in mm. the sense of what james and john were doing with jesus and so yeah i like that idea of like the text being a mirror mm. for us i'm like okay is this something that we do mm. and if we are treating like god as a magic genie mm. yeah what do we need to change from that what what are god's priorities that outweigh mm. and outstrip ours um so yeah. <laughs> Mari's giving me an incredulous look. No, <laughs> no, no, you're no. thinking. No, no, no. I'm just yeah, pondering. I think yeah. that it's um, it, it is a interesting thing that um, with that pros- prosperity mindset, mm. I think that ultimately um, there is um, a less intense version of that, mm. um, which is that God wants me to be comfortable. I think that that can be the um, lesser, more diluted yeah. prosperity mm. gospel that mm. we can fool ourselves into thinking is correct. Because I think mm. that there's a lot of people who can get their head around, yeah, cool, like God doesn't necessarily want me to be astronomically wealthy. Mm. Uh, God doesn't want me to, you know, live for eternity in in this side of heaven. Mm. You know, there's obviously that hope and promise of eternal life on the other side of Jesus' return. Um, But I think um, even just an idea of um, just really simple like trials and difficulties, Mm. I think, can be quite a challenging thing. I think, you know, say if we are in a job, maybe is a good example, that is really um, a grind and challenging. Um, We can sort of be praying to God, hey, God, like make this easier, blah, blah, blah. And hey, maybe that's God's will. And maybe Mm. that is something that he will help and intervene with. Um, But this idea that I think a lot of people have, for instance, that their job should, you know, bring them joy, uh, bring them fulfillment, that it should be something which is comfortable and easy a lot of the time. Um, That would be like an example for me Mm. of something of, you know, just comfortableness. I like that. And something which is easy, um, Mm. that pleasure doesn't always have to be a 10 out of 10, that we can sometimes fall into the trap of being like, yeah, well, like God isn't going to give me 10 out of 10, but like still. Like, come on, God, like, give me a five mm. out of 10, you know, which I think kind of comes into this idea of suffering that we're going to be looking at a mm. bit today. Um, the idea of the suffering servant, mm. it's something that we were speaking about mm. before we started recording. Um, this is really a theme that goes back to Isaiah. Mm. Um, and we were talking about how ultimately we don't know what scripture is 
um, Old Testament sort of scripture mm-hmm. Mark would have had as he was, you know, writing his gospel and really compiling most um, mm. biblical scholars believe the stories that he would have heard firsthand from Simon Peter. Um, the understanding is he was his disciple. He was his uh, sort of, you know, I suppose, mentor, Peter, Simon Peter. And after Simon Peter was crucified himself, was kind of, okay, we need to collate these stories. So there is this obviously firsthand sort of um, scripture that he's getting, I suppose, from the words of Simon Peter, but then Isaiah, the idea of the suffering servant. Mm. Um, I think that this is definitely a moment in Mark 10 that we see some elements being mm. echoed. Yes, very much so. So uh, what this part of scripture, Mark 10, 32 to 45, it, yeah, ha- has that sort of bracketed by yeah, Jesus' suffering. And so obviously Jesus talking about being crucified and being, yeah, handing, condemning him to death, being handed over to the Gentiles, we mocked, to be spat upon, flogged, mm. and then killing him. Yeah. And then later on when he ends it, he's like, you know, um, if ever you wants to be first, must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So mm. it ties in that sort of teaching. And then the the bread and the sandwich, so to speak, is James and John's sort of inappropriate question about that and so for those who don't know Isaiah 53 talks about this figure the suffering servant who yeah I'll I'll read out a part of it it says here this is Isaiah 53 10 it says it was yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand after the suffering of his soul he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Um, therefore, I'll give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So mm-hmm. there's this. So that's Isaiah 53 10 to 12. So mm-hmm. yeah, the chapter there's talking about this figure who will stand in place on behalf of sinners. And so you can see how Jesus is alluding to that with that language of mm. ransom, of being killed. There's this yeah, idea that the suffering servant will be, his life will, will die on behalf of sinners. Mm. But mm. then after he goes through these trials and pains, he will be vindicated, he will mm. be glorified. And that's what the text is alluding to there. And Jesus doesn't use that language from that scripture directly, but you see it like the illusion state when he talks about you know being killed, but then he'll come back to life three mm-hmm. days later. He's like, oh, well... Yeah. Mm. That's vindication. That's a sign of God's blessing upon mm. him, of yep. raising him up. Yep. So that's that's the language that Jesus is dealing with. And in many ways, Mark's gospel as a whole, it's, it's like it's like a commentary, a sense of how Jesus fulfills the book of Isaiah. There's mm. just so many little tidbits mm. here and there of how yeah Jesus fulfills Isaiah. And mm. so yeah, that's uh, it's part of that whole message of jesus what he came to do and it ties in well what you're saying about comfort yeah like jesus didn't come to bring us comfort he came to make us holy mm. and holiness comes with a price mm. um, yeah i would often say people it's the big difference between being happy and joyful mm. you can be joyful and be unhappy mm. but yeah and what i mean by that is so happiness is 
I suppose, a state of mind. So if, you, if your goal in life is to be happy, you have to eradicate everything that makes you unhappy. Mm. So we're told, oh, if you've got difficult people, flick them off. <laughs> you know, like what you said, for a hard job, flick that off. Um, yeah. But to be joyful, joyful in the Lord means that you can have unpleasant circumstances around you, but still find a peace mm. that yeah, surpasses all understanding and sort of like in that Jeremiah kind of language, Mm. Um, thinking like yeah you can be lamenting and crying out but still have this I guess deep trust and faith Mm. in God Mm. Mm. that idea of um, becoming holy not necessarily being comfortable Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and not always being something which the journey itself is is pleasurable Mm. and comfortable Uh, reminds me of an analogy that I heard in a workshop that was in yesterday um, in the Chronicles of Narnia, the um, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Mm. There's a character called Eustace. And admittedly, I haven't actually read this book myself, but I thought it was a really powerful analogy that the speaker used Mm. that um, essentially his character Eustace, young boy, he enters a cave and puts a sort of bracelet around his um, arm as he finds this dragon horde and you know he sort of is, is in this moment epitomizing greed and long story mm-hmm. short he falls asleep and wakes up on this bed of treasure and he's actually realizes he's become a dragon mm-hmm. himself and sort of is covered in dragon scales and sort of an analogy for his sin of greed mm-hmm. sort of covering him um, and essentially he tries to tear off the skin and he just can't, you know, no matter how much, how many layers of skin he tears off, there's still more dragon skin underneath. Um, and it's only Aslan who can come and tear off this dragon skin with his claws mm. to get back to the the boy who he was, you know, and this idea that it's excruciating and agonizing and it's only through the help of Jesus, you know, mm. Aslan embodying yeah, yeah. that idea of Christ, that he can strip off that selfishness, that greed, that desire, that prosperity gospel, mm. really, in a lot of ways of yeah. desiring this treasure and come back to the core self of the image that he was created to be in God. Um, yeah, this idea of ripping off skin it's it's violent Mm. and it's bloody and it's gory and it's painful and ultimately it's only through the help of christ that we can get back to the core of Mm. who god's created us to be um but it's not comfortable Mm. (laughs) and a lot of the time it's painful and agonizing and really is stripping ourselves of so Mm. much that we maybe even identify with Mm. you know this idea of stripping off our skin it's a pretty intense sort of vision but um yeah this idea of becoming holy isn't always pleasurable. Mm, no. And we, I guess, in a sense, we have a very bloodless Christianity. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's tough, but every Easter, or the last two I've been here mm. for, we talk about what videos are appropriate to show because we have kids mm. and we try not to show the violence of it. Not that we want to glorify in violence, but the reality is the type of stuff Jesus is talking about, pretty like violent. Mm. It was a very, very violent world. Closer to Game of Thrones than like our world. Sure. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Like people were just killed constantly. And yeah. it was very public. There was no mm. sort of censorship of that. Mm. And yeah, like that passage I read from Isaiah 53, like it's not, like if you read that and you're like, mm, yes, that sounds like a pleasant experience to go through. Talking about, you know, being crushed, made to suffer. Um, yeah, it's just this language of, you know, life being poured out unto mm. death. Like, you're like, man, that's, that's like, doesn't sound like a picnic well it's even something that i can sometimes forget that crucifixion wasn't uncommon yeah and it wasn't private 
It was a public display Mm. of what happened if you went against the Roman Empire, essentially, you know. Um, And this idea that people would essentially just be like walking Mm. through an area and seeing people crucified, seeing people tortured to death Mm. right in front of them. I mean, that is something that in Australia, in Sydney, like people are not seeing, people are not coming into contact with. And I think we've even spoken about before, even like down to the very like food that we eat. We are so Mm. separate from death. If you want chicken, you don't have to like go and chop off the head of a bird in your backyard. Mm. You go to Woolies and get it already prepackaged, already the feathers are off. It doesn't even really look like chicken anymore. Like we are so, I love that, that quote that you kind of said a bloodless Mm. christianity you know (laughs) which i mean the idea of christ's blood is Mm. is central Mm. to the the gospel and what it means to be saved through that blood Mm. but yeah the the reality is we are so detached from the idea of suffering we're so detached from the idea of pain we're so detached Mm. from the idea of blood which was shed on a cross um i mean yeah yeah, it's something which can be very difficult for us to connect to and i yeah and and look and i'm probably very guilty of this too in some ways every every time i lead communion it can feel a bit abstract like i know that this this bread represents christ's body like and i know that like from a historical point of view yeah jesus died his body was you know broken for us and whipped and Mm. yeah all all that and his blood you know when the his side is pierced and the blood and the water comes i know that intellectually but yeah, it can just seem a little abstract. It's just almost mm. like words. We say, this is, you know, Jesus' body broken for us. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup. Do this in remembrance of me. And, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, well, uh, I don't know the way to kind of how do you bring back the blood back into Christianity mm. in that sense. And mm. I think it start with just those small choices each and every day to pick up the cross and to embrace that bit of suffering and... Yeah, I find it interesting that the saints in church history would become celibate monks that lived in the wilderness who, look, and they suffered tremendously for their faith. I guess they would fast for days at a time and spend hours in prayer. But, I mean, for me, I find having a wife and three small children, man, that... (laughs) Yeah, if you want to get holy, that's probably Mm. the best way. I've found just Mm. having kids to just be an enormous stress upon me mm. and yeah i was reflecting upon this like this is actually helping me grow mm. like jesus mm. like rather than just going stupid kids are mm. actually yeah and really trying to reframe that and that is hard sometimes especially mm. when it's three o'clock in the morning and they're slapping you in the face because they want you mm. and it's like actually that's part of like this process of rather and so actually for me, trying to lean into that more. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not something that I do well every day, but trying to recognise that, that life actually presents opportunities for us to reflect Jesus mm. and, yeah, not shying away from that. Mm. Um, yeah, is part of, yeah, part of the process to becoming holy. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I really like what you said. I don't think I actually said that earlier, like that, yeah, idea of that, yeah, comfort is our diluted prosperity gospel. Yeah. And yeah, it is hard in the West. We are very, very comfortable compared mm. to well, any point in human civilization. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing, which is partly why I started doing cold showers too. <laughs> That's a way to kind of embrace a bit of discomfort each and every day. Mm. Yeah, I'll tell you, this morning I was in Keynesford. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I jumped in. I was like, 
Oh, it's good for me. It's good for me. Yeah, it's Brace good for me. Brace discomfort. Just hear screaming from the bathroom. Oh, it's good for me. <laughs> so, uh, it's pretty funny. The first week when I tried it, this one, I jumped in the shower. I was like, oh, and Hazel ran in. Good, Daddy, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. Mm. It's just really cold. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. yeah, that's, and I actually found that like a great little discipline. It's something um, Catholics will do. There's a program. Cold showers. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cold showers. Sorry. Yeah. Not screaming. <laughs> Cold showers. Yeah. They have this 90 day program. And it's part of it. It's like you do some sort of prayers and actually the cold shower. And it's not, not that cold shower makes you holy or not, but they yeah. see it as like just a way to just sort of embrace a bit of discomfort in your life. Mm. And yeah, that's sort of. Oh, oh, I actually found exercise great at that too. Mm. Um, just embracing a bit of discomfort, especially when I used to do like long, long distance running. Mm. I would actually, particularly running up hills, I would be praying to like, Jesus, I need you. Like I'd kind of run, I know, for those who are listening, I'd run, I'm moving my hands up mm. like in this motion. Almost I could imagine Jesus like helping grab my hands, mm. getting up these hills when I'm tired. And that was, I found that just a great way to like, just that little bit of like suffering in my life to help reframe me around Jesus mm. I need Jesus I need you to get me up this hill because mm. I'm dying that's like oh Jesus I need you to help me like in life like that analogy I'm just reaching out like mm. someone who's drowning to pull mm. me up and so mm. yeah that's when I found yeah exercise quite a spiritual activity mm. in many ways and mm. so yeah and I think if and that's what I guess the beauty of having Emmanuel with mm. us is God's with us everywhere there's not this holy time which we can have you know in the morning it's all life is mm. we're journeying and walking and yeah and we see that in the gospels like jesus his key teachings are not in synagogue mm. it's when he's on the move like all this teaching here they're walking up to jerusalem mm. they're on some dusty road mm. and there we've got some very deep and profound teaching about jesus death and resurrection and mm. the call of being a servant right? mm. Yeah, and that's why I feel like God can teach us that in just the everyday moments of life and learning to embrace that if we're walking with Jesus, that there's opportunities for us to grow constantly. Mm. Mm. There's um, an interesting uh, thing that you sort of mentioned there, again, that up to Jerusalem. Mm. Um, I sort of um, read in a commentary that there's something that's <coughs> quite... Um, I suppose stand out in this that it specifically mentions that Jesus was leading them mm. there and there's definitely this idea of leading people up to Jerusalem um, this idea of willingness <laughs> mm. to embrace the suffering and willingness to embrace what is kind of coming mm. um, but I'd love to hear you talk more about that up to Jerusalem that again yeah. kind of feels a bit uh, uh, like an Isaiah reference a little bit. Yeah, so there's um, so a couple. One I'll, um, let me get to Isaiah chapter two. I'm going old school today using actual, you know, going analog. pages of Bible, <laughs> not, not my laptop. Um, yeah, so Isaiah chapter two talks about, um, so Isaiah 2.2, 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains that will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. It talks about how everyone will go Let's go up to uh, Zion. Yeah. And so there's an element of that idea is that Zion, even though it's not the tallest mountain in the world, mm -hmm. from a theological point of view, because that's where God's like temple mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. it's the center of the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's what Isaiah talks a fair bit about that, about everyone streaming to Jerusalem. And mm -hmm. so that idea of going up to Jerusalem, it's there's this 
yeah, drawing on this as our imagery of leading exiles to mm. like God's temple, to mm. God's sanctuary place, and mm. that ending that exile when Yahweh returns and the world's restored. And so there's some of that language that um, Mark would be tapping into. That's with the procession, actually, it's interesting. So this is Mark 10, 32. They're on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. Mm. So very like, yeah, Zion language. And the disciples were astonished and those who followed were afraid. And mm. I was reading a comment, commentary last week, which is like, oh, it's quite interesting because Isaiah 35, um, it's sort of one of these passages about the future, about God restoring creation and leading the exiles in. It says here, um, this is Isaiah 35.10, and the ransom of the Lord um, will return, which is interesting because Jesus talks about giving his life as a ransom mm. for many. They will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy, with, um, cra- will crown their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Mm. And it's almost like this sort of reversed Isaiah 35.10 is that Jesus is leading this procession. Instead of yeah, gladness and joy, they're like astonished. And there's a bit like people are a unsure, like what, what were the disciples astonished about? Were they astonished mm. that Jesus is boldly marching because he knows that the, you know, the religious leaders are trying to kill him or mm. it's astonishment about, yeah, who is this miracle man? There's a little bit of like, okay, what, what, what are they astonished about? We're not 100% sure. And mm. yeah, the people being afraid mm. and rather than alleviating their fears, it's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to die. Mm. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be spat upon. Mm. But yeah, and then I'm going to come back to life in three days. And so, yeah, that's that Jesus sort of flipping the script, so to speak, mm. which is what makes James and John's questions so inappropriate because they're mm. probably thinking of Jesus heading to Jerusalem in the sense of like an Isaiah of leading like a warrior king, like, mm. a, like the son of David. Yeah. He comes in and like, I'm going to kill all my enemies and we're going to rule from Jerusalem. And mm. so, yeah, and that's what makes the, at least from a textual point of view, there's a difference between like the order of things and what Mark as an author is doing. So from the text point of view is Jesus just given this teaching mm. about his third um, passion, what they call his third pas- passion prediction. Mm-hmm. And then they ask him this question and you're like, whoa, like, what are you guys even listening? Mm. Like, so it's sort of almost like in one ear, out the other. Because um, in their mind, they're thinking, yeah, Jesus coming to Jerusalem to set his earthly throne to start ruling and reigning, boot out the Romans. Yeah. And so, yeah, who's going to be on his left and right side when he's ruling? Like kings had you know, advisors around them. And so asking that question and when the disciples are they're indignant they're annoyed about it later not because like how dare you do this like hey we've missed our opportunity hey, we yeah. were going to sit there and what i find just interesting here jesus doesn't get stuck into them sometimes yeah. he really rips into them but here he really addresses them quite gently which i find comforting for mm. me yeah as someone that's quite broken and sinful I'm like oh sometimes jesus is gentle with us and yeah yeah because they're demanding they're like you know teacher you know, we want you to do whatever, do fast whatever we ask. It's so demanding. Well, it is that kind of magic genie yeah. language, right? Mm. Like, do for us whatever we ask. That's like, it right. almost, I feel like if someone came up to me and it's like, hey, will you do for me whatever I ask? I'd be like, no. no. <laughs> but tell me what you want. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, it's Quite, definitely, yeah. it almost seems like, um, yeah, they're trying to trap him or something yeah, you know, before they ask him. Yeah, it's just, 
really interesting language, particularly around what James and John are saying, Jesus being transfigured. Yeah. Again, from the textual point of view, like that's what has happened in the previous chapter. Yeah, only one chapter earlier. They've seen the transfiguration on top of the mountain. They've seen Jesus, you know, cast out demons and then they go, hey, do whatever we ask. Like, what a thorough. Mm. Yeah, just this really bold, like, inappropriate question. Yeah. And Jesus, typical rabbi, you ask, you respond to a question with a question. Yeah. You know, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. And they sit your right and the left hand. And yeah, it's just very gentle. He says, you don't know what you're asking. And he answers, responds to a question. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Mm. And so it's a great question just to leave it hanging there. And there's the cup and baptism. So while baptism we only really find in the New Testament, the idea of cup can mean cup like overflowing, like Psalm 23. Sure. I mean, I'm a cup overflowing. Which is blessing. Like, yeah, blessing. So <laughs> yeah, God's yeah, yeah. blessing. So were they thinking of the cup being like this blessing? Yeah. Or um, the cup being like this, which Old Testament also has of this image of God's wrath, like God's wrath is poured out into a cup. It's this wine of yeah. fury. And Jesus is, that's what he's using the cup image in this context is yeah. the fury and baptism it baptism implies water and often water is a sign of judgment like noah's flood mm-hmm. or the psalmist saying ah oh, you know the waters are rising up to my neck and mm-hmm. this idea of water mm-hmm. going over people is a sign of judgment and so jesus using these images of god's wrath and yeah our forms of god's judgment through water here mm. are a sign of like his death and by extension, they will do it too. And so they, I say that, yeah, we can. We're not sure what they, if they actually process that properly. Yeah. And then Jesus gives it that future prediction. You know, you will drink the cup. And you will be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with. But no, left and right hand, mm. hmm, that's not to me to decide that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a great way of just dealing with them. He doesn't rebuke them, doesn't just answers their question with a question, sort of directs them, gives them, mm. give them that, which they probably didn't truly process, give them that future prediction. This is what's going to happen. Mm. And this is the state that you're in. I can't guarantee left and right hand. It's not up for me to decide that. Mm. But I can guarantee you this, you're going to suffer along with me. Yeah. And then, yeah, and that's when the disciples are, you know, they're indignant, they're annoyed about them. That's when he unpacks that teaching. He's like, hey, this is the difference between me and the Gentiles. Mm. Um, yeah, this this word of scripture used in a few times in the Gospels. So in Luke, he, Jesus says the kings of the Gentiles lord over each other. Mm. That the Last Supper, so either Jesus said it multiple times, or mm. yeah, how it works. But it's just, I think, just the basis of how we should be as Christians. You know, you know that those who regard as rules of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Mm. And that's the difference between. King Herod and the Romans, they lorded over people. Mm. You know, Herod orders at Bethlehem at Jesus, you know, time of Jesus' birth, hey, kill all the babies under two. Yeah. It's done. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's 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 ultimate power and authority. Yeah. Just to you know, Herod kills Galileans and mixes their blood with sacrifices, you know, Pilate orders people to crucify it, it's done. That that's what power looks like. And Jesus said, I'm not gonna re- replace one oppressive system with another mm. which is probably what James and John wanted they're like hey, you, know, let's, <laughs> yeah. you know if we start ruling them we start oppressing them we give them their carpets yeah. so to speak and 
just saying, oh, and that's, you know, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. I'm like, oh. And because we're so used to this language, we're so like, oh, yeah, servant leadership. Yeah. Like even like secular people talk about, you know, bosses need to be servant leaders. It's yeah. become kind of part of our vernacular. Yeah. But just very shocking back then. It's like, you know, we, we're mm. flipping the script here. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And I, yeah, made reference to Dio uh, Christophostom, who was a Greek orator. Like slave masters could do whatever they wanted with their slaves. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, it'd actually be great in the kingdom. You must serve. You must mm. be a slave. You must be a servant to each other. Mm. And and the reason why is because our master did that. He didn't come to be served, but to serve mm. give his life as a ransom for many. So those of us who, yeah, like let's think of that um, Isaiah thirty five ten language. Like we're part of the ransom that are heading up to Jerusalem. Mm. Ours is we're heading to the heavenly Jerusalem. Mm. Yeah, like, let's we have to follow the master mm. in that same way that. Mm. To be great, we must serve. To mm. be, yeah, to reflect Jesus isn't about using Jesus as magic genie. It's mm. about showing, asking that question, which it's a question which I really asked really for me. Asked it, I said it to the church, but really it's a question Mitch needs to deal with, you know, how may I serve you? Mm. And reflecting upon it, there's times like, gosh, I don't want to serve people, <laughs> I want to serve myself. There's, yeah. But yeah. Uh, think about it. If I did it in my own life, if I asked my wife all the time, how may I serve you? If I asked it to my kids, how may I serve you? Mm. There's, there's a humblingness to that rather than, well, I need this, I need that. It's This is mm. my time. And yeah, while we think, oh, you just become a doormat, mm. if all of us were asking each other, then yeah. you, that's what that's how I see submission yeah. looking like. It's not yeah. being a doormat. It's like submitting to each other. It's serving one another. Mm. And then that way, like... No one thinks of Jesus as being a doormat. Yeah. You know, as, um, King of kings, Lord of lords. <laughs> um, but yeah, he showed what submission looked like, what service looked like. And mm. so, yeah, I, I, so I, when I was thinking about, yeah, the praying about the message for the Solomon Islands, this is what came up for me. I think for all of us, mm. I need this the most in my life to be reminded mm. of this. Mm. Of, yeah, Jesus came to be a ransom for us, mm. to be a servant for us, and we need to reflect that like, likewise. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I think that when you look through Scripture, both Old and New Testament, there is a repeated pattern of ultimately when you serve the poor, when you serve the needy, when you serve others, you are ultimately serving God. And, mm. you know, Christ says, you know, what did you do for the yeah, least yeah, of yeah. these? Like, you did for me. Um there is something beautiful in that, that, you know, there's, it's, I mean, really identifying the image of God in everybody, that mm. everyone is an image bearer of God. And there is an essence of, you know, each person is a child of God, whether they have recognized that or mm. not and taken full advantage of that salvation offered to them as a child of God. But yeah, that really continual idea of not just serving God, mm. not just being, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this for God. I'm going to do that for God. I'm going to sacrifice mm. for God. But Sacrificing for others is ultimately recognizing the image of God that is in each person mm. and really, you know, dying to ourselves is doing that mm -hmm. service. Um, 
I love this idea though. Um, Galatians five thirteen was one that I want to um, bring up as mm, mm, mm. you, my brothers, were called to be free, mm. but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Mm. There is this interesting sort of balance that is brought into this because I think that all of this, let's be real, <laughs> can sound pretty dreary and unappealing. If I was trying to yeah. share the good news of the gospel to someone, this probably isn't where I would start. <laughs> like, hey, here's the good news like god wants you to like just die to yourself and serve Mm. other people um there is this interesting sort Mm. of balance i think in both not um living in a way which we are now trapped under this new legalism Mm. of oh i need to serve everyone all the time Mm. and, and and sort of die to myself and doing this because it is something that we need to do or are forced Mm. to do, but rather it's mirroring and continuing to outpour the same love and generosity and service that we have first received ourselves. Um, I think that that is, for me, the sort of balance because very quickly it can become this legalistic, almost militaristic Mm. mentality Mm. of, you know, every day is pain and suffering and die to myself and this is what it's all about. And it's finding this balance of, you know, Jesus was also the man God who came down and feasted and rested Mm -hmm. and, you know, played with kids (laughs) and had fun and joy and finding that balance, Mm. I think that's really, I mean, really, that's that's the wisdom, right, that Solomon's asking for. And Mm. I think that finding... Yeah, how do we find that 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 tension? Yeah. Is the art of of yeah hitting the mark, not missing the mark? Yeah, right? yeah. Because there is like there is a lot of scriptural justification for what's called Christian hedonism, mm. the idea of actually enjoying what God has given. Um, don't remember many of my lectures from Bible <laughs> college, but I remember first year I did a subject. It was an internal subject that all SMBC, SMBC students had to do called Introduction to Theology. And the lecturer ran it, just said, you know someone's view of God by how they treat their garden. Mm. And so he goes, the more concrete, because the less they view God as a creator. That's, just, <laughs> That's a big call. <laughs> it is. I remember. I just like, it just struck me. And then it's still cold. And he was a principal at the time. And he um, made everyone lie down on the grass and like feel the grass. That, mm. was like the, that was like the one assignment we had to do. <laughs> And people were like, this is dumb. Did you pass? Did you pass the I did assignment? do it. I've always been a bit of creation. I always like the bush. It didn't really phase me. But yeah, it, it just really resonated because, yeah, that was his sort of view was that creation is actually good, which I think is a biblical view mm. and it's meant to be enjoyed. And that's probably where the the saints sort of would f- fell off the... Yeah, they lost the wheels a bit. Is that like there was? There's times where like, and this is where Jesus balanced it well. So he goes into the wilderness for forty days and forty nights, mm. and so that became almost like a template for the um, the monks to use. You know, we go a period where we go suffering, but that was just what they did in their life. They just would just abuse their bodies to no end. Mm. They'd starve themselves and mm. whip themselves. But then, yeah, like I was like what you said before, Jesus feasted through. Mm. Like he's eating all the time, mm. life of the party, mm. turning water into wine. So, yeah. yeah, there are times where we need to sort of self-deny, mm. but times where we are to enjoy. Mm. And so, yeah, is that balance? Christianity shouldn't be miserable. Mm. It should be a joyful experience. And so, mm. yeah, like all these things, they are they are a balance. And so, I, I guess too, like 
for me it's like learning the balance of like looking out here particularly at draw i just like every day i haven't got bored of the view yet i'm mm. looking out the window and just seeing the bush out there like i'll stare at the printer and just look at the trees for a while i'm like oh man i actually should you know <laughs> just sort of get lost in the view i still haven't got bored of that yeah our printing room might have the best view of any printing room in <laughs> yeah Sydney. yeah it's just phenomenal. through the kind of gully. yeah i really find like god in that like that's you see god's like fingerprints so to speak yeah. through the creation but then also leaning into like yeah the suffering of the world in the mm. sense of like well there's going to be challenges and difficult people mm. and obstacles that we have to overcome instead of running away from it so there's so even within like a 24-hour period you can have moments of like joy of reflecting mm. upon what like the beauty of creation for instance or mm. a taste of your favorite coffee to mm. i'm stuck behind this person who's doing 20 k's over the limit instead of like you know getting cranky actually mm. going is this opportunity to teach me patience or mm. or whatever it may be and mm. so yeah, mm. leaning into both that the suffering, but also the the joy of life. Which yeah. mm. again, it's a balance because we can, if we lean too far one way, mm. there's problems. Yeah, which we saw the monks do. You know, they just live this life of just utter self denial and just hating their bodies. Yeah, to becoming just pure pleasure and comfort. So yeah, yeah there's always that tension. And that's what's beautiful about scripture mm. is, yeah, we're forced to wrestle with both. Yeah, mm. passages which say one thing and passages which say another yeah, and that's the yeah, mystery yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 praise god is a mystery <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think um yeah there's there's a lot to take away from i think mm. that it is usually the case that sometimes the shorter the sermon the longer the banter because there's yeah, <laughs> more yeah. that has been left unsaid yes uh, i was pretty keen to um banter this one because it was um yeah very short sermon yeah. Someone said he goes, oh, you preach for eight minutes. I was like, I did exactly. Was, <laughs> I had an eight-minute time up. <laughs> Someone else obviously had to stop watch. <laughs> well, we good. um, yeah, are kind of uh, in going to be enjoying uh, for the next two weeks um, some guest speakers. Mm. We have uh, yeah, the great Mr. Keith Jobbins bringing the mm. word this weekend. So we don't yet know what that is. It's <laughs> going to be mystery. exciting for us as well. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, if you guys would like to kind of go back on uh, some previous banters, uh, we're going to be jumping back into the Jeremiah series in three weeks yeah. time, three Sundays time. Mm. Uh, so yeah, make sure that you've caught up with that uh, and we look forward to seeing mm. you guys on Sunday. Yeah. See you then everyone. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.